0: Hey guys, follow me on Twitter, MBanks Podcast. If you like this episode, share it with your friends. Share it with the world. Share it on Facebook, Twitter, whatever you got. I appreciate the help. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 31 of the Matthew Banks Podcast. Shockingly, this is Matthew Banks. I have Clay Newman on the podcast today, super funny guy, you can see Clay all over the Bay Area, including the punchline, he just recently was passed at Rooster Tea Feathers, super funny guy, super nice guy, but most importantly, don't take yourself too damn seriously. Don't take this podcast too damn seriously, because we're just fucking around.
1: I'm pretty PC on stage, like... At least in my head, I am. I'm sure I missed oh. the mark a lot. I'm sure I offend plenty of people without yeah, realizing yeah. I'm doing it. But yeah, there's just the amount of uh, of no no words is such a long list. It's so much longer of a list than
0: you expect coming out yeah. here. Yeah. And then it changes too. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So one week it's this and next week it's that. And you can So I didn't realize from the beginning that I'm going to offend people regardless. Yeah. That's so, it's part of it, you know. Just
1: as so long as you don't have malicious intent behind it, that's really exactly. the best you can do.
0: Yeah, if you say something, you know, if you slip up and say fag, and you're not talking about a gay person, sure, but, you know, it's gonna happen. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It's just tough that it gets so specific. Like the, uh, I mean, I'm sure you've seen it as a, a comic the things that'll trigger audience members to get them upset sometimes. Yeah, like,
0: yeah.
1: like just part of the setup. If part of the setup, you happen to say like and uh this mexican guy did this people were just like whoa yeah. like okay they well, draw back yeah it's it's okay let me finish the sentence it'll yeah. be fine like just trust me out. trust me up here
0: and that would throw me off when i first got here it's, it's um if somebody if i felt the pullback it'd be really hard for me to continue to commit but i got to where i was like all right just let them be uncomfortable yeah and now i almost get too much out of it <laughs> almost like it too much <laughs> it's tough it's uh <laughs>
1: It's an addiction to fight your way out of that hole, I think. Yeah. A lot of comics have built their like brilliant comics have built their whole career out of that. Like Patrice O'Neill, that was his whole oh thing. My God. He would just start with a setup that distanced himself from everybody and then dig uh, himself out of that hole. That was his yeah. Bill Bird does the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. I watched I watched Joey Diaz at the punchline in How San Francisco. That? Uh it was pretty wonderful. Joey, uh, you know, it was in a way, the exact right time to have Joey Diaz there because that was the weekend of Charlottesville. Uh And so, like, 90% of comics at least would have gone up there and at least a third of their set would have been them trying to work out their emotions on stage. But Joey Diaz is so, like... He's seen so much ridiculous shit. His life is so insane that uh-huh. this is just like a tiny blip on his radar. So if yeah. he if he even mentioned it, I think it was barely, and then he just moved on. But it was it was brilliant. It was a nice kick in the pants for San Franciscans. Like he he started one joke with a, you know, you just like uh, you, you're walking around, you you see a tranny, you, you just you know you just beat the shit out of her, and everybody's like, <laughs> no, <laughs> you don't do that, Joey. And he's like, what I said to her, fuck you guys. It's like it's so. <laughs> good it's so good he like he knows when the response is coming and he knows how to punch back and by the end they're like okay well let's hear about like what yeah. happened with this
0: training yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah it's pretty funny that's so that oh i admire that so much when somebody can just stand up and like yeah that. that's i remember i was listening to an interview of, of burr or something and he was saying the reason that he did it in the beginning is because no one was paying attention, so he would just say something outlandish <laughs> and just to, to get the audience's attention again. Yeah, and then he's so then he would have to dig himself out of it. So it's kind of like a survival technique. That
1: that makes for his Mine is just to yell louder. Like I'm just yeah. I just have more volume. I don't go edgy <laughs> like his strategy.
0: <laughs> so you just got back from an acting gig?
1: Uh, not a gig, just an audition. Uh, I'm on the acting circuit here, which is pretty much exclusively like car commercials because you have to show them driving over the Golden Gate Bridge. uh, And then like, you know, every tech company makes a commercial. So all the tech companies that are up here, they like, they pay pretty well and it's funny because I've done multiple commercials for startups that like never come out because the company went under before we like finished editing the commercial. Like like, Like, it's so funny how the startup culture works where they just go. Like, you think we're, like, pie-eyed, like, you think our dreams are silly trying to be comedians? These guys are like, yeah. no, I have an app. It's going to change the world because it's a filter that makes you look like a dog, and that's going to make the world a better place. And they get millions of dollars and spend billions of dollars and then go under. It happens all the time, and part of the billions that they spend are commercials that I'm in. It's pretty rare. Where, where do they get the money from? Uh, investors, um, just, uh... There's a handful, uh, like, you know, this is, like, me getting high and watching Vice News, so don't take this as truth, but, like...
0: Oh, it's all true.
1: To to the best of my understanding, it's just a handful of uh, uh, just trust fund babies and uh, investment bankers that made good that don't know what to do with their money and... They're a little old and out of touch with what's going on with technology. So it's really easy for a millennial that looks like Mark Zuckerberg to pitch this thing. Like, okay, yeah, I could see how everybody in the world would buy that. You look Uh, at your grandkids like, oh, I don't get what the fuck they're doing anyway. So if this kid tells me that it's going to work, here's a couple million dollars. Uh, And they saw what happened with Facebook. They saw what happened with Christ Apple and Google. You know, there's money to be made. People just don't know (laughs) what's going to be successful with this trigger-happy world that we live in right now. It's really bizarre, the things
0: that have actually made money. Wow. So it seems to be... That seems to be quite the risk. But I guess if you got that much money, I don't feel sorry for. That's
1: you. well, it's <laughs> it, you, it is somebody else's risk. Like you're basically you just get to live it up for a year or whatever, however long that your company stays afloat and then you start from scratch. You go back to doing whatever it is you were doing, I guess. Worst wow. case scenario, or you're just a programmer and you get to go back to Apple and continue to make a whole bunch of money as a programmer. Yeah, I guess so. So it's not a, it's not a bad idea or it's not a bad deal for the creators. But everybody that works for them, like, their company goes under. I know so many people who, like, their resume is so long, and they've never gotten fired. They've never quit. It's just they work for a startup, and the startup goes under.
0: Jesus. Literally bizarre. That is wild. So I wonder what percentage of startups actually succeed.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's got to be small. And, like, success is so relative, too, because... You know, on paper, Twitter is still never made a profit as a company. They do Really? They don't sell enough in advertisement to make a profit at all. And despite the fact that, like, the president is, like, using it and every major news source just, like, you see that stupid blue bird on the TV all the time. But they have not figured out a way to actually monetize it yet. It's just this idea waiting for somebody with billions of dollars to pay for it to pick it up and try to figure out how to monetize it themselves wow i never knew that yeah yeah twitter's never made that much money facebook is killing it because not only do they have advertisement but it's like it's pretty obvious at this point that they're just selling information uh yeah. there's no other way they could get that much money um so there are companies that are figuring out a way to do it but somehow twitter is not one of them despite the like the most press a company could possibly have
0: yeah that's crazy.
1: It's an interesting world, man. I'm, uh, I'll I'll dip a toe in every once in a while just think, wow, this is bizarre. Get blown away by how much actual money is going into it uh-huh. and then take my toe right back out of the water. I'm like, I don't even want to go further. Such, yeah. like, I'll just end up getting angry if I find out more of how like phony this is, that they're taking over the city with this phoniness. Jesus. So have you ever like t- pursued a tech job? No, no. It's more just... Uh, You know, in San Francisco, we've had this, like, uh, there's always always a bad guy in San Francisco. When I first moved here, uh, it was the tourists. There were too many tourists. They were annoying. They were in the way. Uh, What none of us realized was that's, like, How can you possibly be mad at tourists? They're coming and spending money. Like, let them take an extra minute to get on the bus. It's not the end of the world. Let them be in the way a little bit.
0: Yeah, they're supporting the city. Exactly.
1: But when I first moved here, everybody was just pissed at how the way tourists were. Uh, Then hipsters happened and people... Hated hipsters because they started taking over. They were like the first gentrifiers, basically started taking over the poorer neighborhoods, the Mission Mm -hmm. District, the Tenderloin. So the first white people willing to live in non-white neighborhoods. So everybody shit on the hipsters. Then the techies came and they like nobody worried about tight pants ever again. Like nobody was concerned about asymmetrical haircuts. As soon as the techies came, everybody was mad at him. And so at that point, I'm like, well. I just blindly hated tourists and hipsters. I'm going to actually research the techies and see why we're mad at them. And then I did. I'm like, oh, okay, I get it now. <laughs> so
0: I really am mad. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm genuinely, <laughs> genuinely mad. That, like, like Twitter is losing money despite like, paying almost zero taxes to the city of San Francisco. Uh, Mayor Ed Lee just said, like, if you're a tech company, we want you here. Screw Silicon Valley. We want you to come to San Francisco. We'll do whatever it takes. And it's, you know... It's so frustrating to have one of the most liberal cities in the world basically try to pitch the trickle-down theory to us. Like, no, if we cut the
0: Uh. taxes
1: for the rich, they'll spend money here. Like, oh, no, they won't, man. They're gonna (laughs) go to Napa and Tahoe every weekend. They don't care about San Francisco. They don't give a fuck. Yeah, the hipsters at least cared about the San Francisco. Tourists wanted to be here. Uh, The amount of people that are just sad that they're San Franciscans now, but it's where their job is. It's it's a huge bummer. So
0: many It's days. a huge
1: bummer, man. That's not what the city's supposed to be. Like, we barely get a summer. There are hills everywhere. It's a pain in the dick to live here on purpose. Like, it's supposed to be just for the weirdos and hippies and people that couldn't live in other places that need in San Francisco. Yeah. So that's... That's where the hatred for, for the uh, the tech industry comes from up here. It's not totally misguided. It is maybe a little overblown, but...
0: Yeah, so how long have you been here? 12 years. Where'd you come from? Uh, Ventura, just down in SoCal.
1: Um, okay, that's where you're from? Yeah, it's like little kind of... Uh, if anybody knows Santa Barbara, it's like a little white trash Santa Barbara, basically. Like, okay. it's a beach town, but... It is also like it's it's like the only racist beach town I've been to. Usually, you know, <laughs> you, you look out at the ocean, you're like, oh, things aren't that bad. But I love like, that oh god, no! They look at the ocean like, oh, wonder Mexicans are swimming across that ocean right now. It's <laughs> really like it, it's it's better now, but it was super segregated when I was a kid. It was really bizarre.
0: Huh? Uh, so how old are you now?
1: Uh, coming up on Oh, Okay. Yeah, cool. so I moved up here right out of high school.
0: So did you train for acting or? Yeah, yeah. when so I
1: was. Uh, Doing, like, theater stuff as a kid, um, really into it all throughout high school, majored in it in college, uh, and then it just kind of, like, like I wanted to be a theater actor. I wanted to, yeah. after college, go to, because um, I went to SF State, and I wanted to get to the American Conservatory Theater, like a proper... Where's that? Uh, it's in the city. Okay. Um, it's, you know, one of the big theaters, like, not the one where they showed, uh, you know, Wicked and Hamilton and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but... Like the second tier plays, like all the like the Sam Shepherds and the uh, anytime like a new Pulitzer uh, Pulitzer Prize winning play comes out, it's gonna go to the American Conservatory Theater. Yeah, um, there's a lot of like not well known but well respected actors that come out of there, just Mm -hmm. theater people. Um, Yeah, but that life is rough, man. There's like it, it takes up everything you can't have a job like if you yeah. if you have a nine to five you don't have time for rehearsals if you're a bartender you don't have time for performances uh like if you have either you don't have time for auditions it's yeah. uh it's nuts like i just kind of floated around doing nothing for a bit and my friend started like finally dragging me to comedy open
0: mics i'm like oh i wish i had this earlier yeah this would have made yeah. a lot more sense earlier what was your attraction to theater you just like being on stage loved it yeah the the
1: performance aspect the i mean i've always liked that um carnal response to laughter you just like Mm -hmm. you do a thing they laugh you know it was successful it's like it's a very clear victory where with dramas you're just shooting for like huh like that's the best guttural reaction you get like I, i if I ever made anybody cry like I, they were probably thinking of something else like I like reminded them of a recently passed relative yeah. or something it wasn't my acting ability that made them cry so I always was just there to like get the reactions get the laugh I sing like I talk so it's not like I was doing musicals or anything <laughs> like pretty much stuck to the, like the side characters but you know I fuck with Shakespeare a little bit uh loved the classics um just wanted to get the laughs like however I could basically
0: Yeah all the comedians I've had in the have done acting, they all say the character parts are the best. Oh, 100%. They're they're always funny. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, like, especially, like, in the classics. You know, nobody wants to be Romeo. Romeo's so fucking boring. Are you kidding me? Like, (laughs) you gotta go, like, there's always the one old man or the bad guy. Like, Tybalt is the best. Like, he's just in Romeo? I don't have any idea. Uh, So, like... There's, there's always the bad guy, there's always the goofy old man, and then occasionally there's like the awesome best friend, and those are always the good characters in, uh-huh. in Shakespeare. You you never want to be the lead. The lead is so fucking boring.
0: That's so interesting. I never thought... I, I didn't know that until I started talking to comedians. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. On the yeah.
1: podcast. No, every Shakespeare. Like, maybe Hamlet's kind of cool, uh, but for the most part, like, the um, honestly, you could say the same about most... At least comedy movies, the uh, main character is almost never the funniest person.
0: Like that's very true. If I actually look at it, I'm not really a movie guy. I mean, I like watching it, but no. But you
1: need like a you like it's a straight man thing. You need a Jason Bateman or like yeah. somebody to make everybody around him funnier. You know? Yeah, that's
0: a, huh. That's a good point. So you have an agent or anything or yeah. Uh, I got,
1: I'm with this like weird agency of mostly models and children. I honestly don't know how I'm there. Like, I think they just heard like, oh, comedy is in right now. And then they got me and I'm like, okay, that's enough comics. So it's just, uh, okay. it's just me and the children and the beautiful people. But uh, it's fun. My my agent is like, if you were to see me and my agent having dinner together, you'd be like, all right, clearly that guy is the actor pointing to my agent and that guy maybe he's just is is he his agent that just forgot to shower today i don't know like just a bad man i think he's just the friend of the actor like there's no the guy is just like six foot two and built and always wearing a yeah. suit just this like handsome dude I'm like why are you not at the auditions right now i feel like you would have a much better chance of this shit than me
0: oh that's funny well i think I'm, i think the first time i remembered I'd, I'd seen you around a lot but the first time i like saw you perform was at uh at the roast of uh, Screech. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That was... I was so blown away at how fun that was. That was a really good time. Man, what a trooper. I can't believe he was like... Dude just
1: sat there for 45 minutes without a microphone and let strangers shit on him. That was...
0: Very kind of him. I thought he was really cool. I mean yeah. from stage he seemed really cool. Maybe nah, he was great off stage too. Like oh <laughs> He was cool
1: with hints of deep sadness. There was like <laughs> occasionally <laughs> occasionally he would just like say or do something that was so sad, just like he his humble brags, like he would he would drop names, but the names he would drop would be like, So I was in Vegas the other week and uh, you never guess who let me have backstage passes. Mm-hmm. Carrot top, <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> oh, cool! <laughs> That's awesome, man. Carrot top's still hanging out with you. That's cool. So you, you know, I, uh, you know, what I brought on this trip with me? I'm thinking like, oh shit, you have, are we about to do cocaine? Screech! It's like, I brought my Xbox. I got <laughs> 357 games on it. I'm like, oh no, you really didn't have a childhood, did you? Like, um, you really are stuck there right now, aren't you? Do you know how old he was when he started that? Uh, he was like 13 or 14 or something like that. I know he was like, he was an actual child and everybody else was like a, like an 18 or 19 year old. Like, oh, so it, yeah. it, it was, it was interesting cause I, you know, all of my research for that roast, uh, was just, it was all so disappointing. It was basically like it was like an E! True Hollywood story followed by him refuting everything on that E! True Hollywood story Uh and like every single thing that was ever said about him. He had this just horrible lawyered up response to it. Like, I didn't stab a guy. He had attacked my girlfriend and so I pulled out a knife and then he put me in a headlock and must have grazed his arm on the knife in the process of doing so. Like, I got to, I was like, oh, you stabbed wow. somebody. I think you might have actually stabbed somebody, and everything like that. Like the he wrote a tell-all book where he just shit on everybody else in the cast. Yeah. Uh, and his response to that was like, "You've never heard of a ghostwriter before? I had a ghostwriter. No, I didn't have time to pre-read it before I published it. Like it's just like <laughs> so matter-of-factly, like of course I didn't pre-read my own autobiography before it was published. So he's like, you know, but. It's, it's hard to tell who a person is based on what interaction, but as a comic, I gotta give somebody credit for doing the shit as long as he did and letting us shit on him for 45 straight minutes. That was like a really classy move. They stuck around, took pictures with everybody, shook everybody's hands. He was a nice guy about it.
0: Yeah, he seemed really cool, man. And your guys, your fucking jokes were great. I was, I was like, wow, these dudes like really did some research. And they, <laughs> yeah. they, they're punching him right in the fucking dick, dude. Well, they're like, you know, you
1: the research just like the research Robos and the jokes for us. Like you start, you look into it, like, all right, he stabbed a guy, something about his girlfriend. Wait a minute, his girlfriend is a working clown? His girlfriend's name is Bobo the Clown? All right. <laughs> and like like, the amount of material that was there, you're just going to walk into some jokes with that. Like, that yeah. was one of the easier roasts I've done.
0: So you've done quite a few roasts? I've done
1: a handful, yeah. Uh, the last one we did was probably the hardest one, which was a roast of a uh, Oakland police officer. So this uh-huh. uh, retired sergeant from OPD, and uh, yeah, he was a
0: nice guy as well. Um, did he just agree to do this? He
1: yeah. Uh I we just like a friend of a friend, um, had been retired for a bit and uh just met one of the producers at a party, so they brought it up. He said he was down. You know, he's a goofy guy anyways. His, like We met him through Facebook and his profile picture is just him standing on the back of a cop car with two batons, like ninja style. And uh-huh. he's like classic, you know, white guy that went to uh, a Buddhist temple in China to train Chinese people on how to do Kung Fu. Like he is like that kind of annoying like, <laughs> master of other races. Uh, yeah. He was a little less, a little less willing to sit there and take jokes. He like kind of yelled stuff out, and uh, whenever somebody would like call him like weak or whatever for needing a gun, he would take off his shirt and flex. It was like, uh, all right, well, <laughs> like, what? I guess you're just making it easier for us to shit on you. But you know, we got away with a lot of cop jokes in front of a room full of cops, and uh, we even got away with like his set. Basically, there was two black people on the dais, and so his set was. Uh, uh, so here's this old racist joke that I read online, and guess what? The punchline: I arrested Big T's mom, and then like <laughs> everyone was just like a racist joke followed by, and guess what? Then I arrested Alexandria Love's dad, and that was every single joke. <laughs> uh, so we like, you know, we got to heckle him. It was it was a win for comedians. Like it, it was a it was a good day for the comic world. So he just he
0: did a set as well.
1: Yes, he printed out about ten pages off of Google of jokes and added uh, the black people's parents' names into them. (laughs) It was interesting. interesting.
0: It was definitely interesting. I know when Screech when he went up last. I don't know if he actually wrote those or not, but they were from pretty fucking good yeah. jokes, dude. Yeah,
1: uh, well, he was saying that, so I was his ride to and from the airport. That was, like, the the level of budget that we had for the show. We weren't sending a limo for screen. we were just sending me in my uh, Toyota Camry. Um, but, yeah, he was saying, like, oh, we had a layover at the airport, so I had some time to write for you guys. I'm like, oh, that was nice of you. <laughs> but he was good. He like, I think he was planning on just doing stand-up, but like he kind of saw like that we were being like competitive and into it, and so he yeah. got into it too. Like he's been doing comedy for longer than any of us, so it like it's just snapped on for him.
0: Yeah. Have <laughs> you seen him do like a real set?
1: Yeah no. Like not not in uh not live. I've watched plenty of clips and uh <laughs> it's it's mostly just people yelling the word screech at him. It's pretty sad. It sounds like it's really not easy, especially since he lives out in uh um wisconsin and so he is like definitely the closest thing to a celebrity they see and that's all he gets is just a screech and he's like yeah yeah i'm screech <laughs> Z- like, oh yep yeah, that, that was the show screech was on and he was like he never really has a chance to get through a joke uh most of the ones he does and he can keep you know not that he has a choice but he buys into it too most of the punchlines like oh, i bet you never thought you'd hear screech say fuck ah. <laughs> like that's his whole thing
0: <laughs> oh boy that's gotta be brutal I was I was talking to somebody and they had like a I don't know an audition or something with Jaleel White Urkel. Sure, yeah. And the part of the contract said you cannot call him Urkel.
1: Yeah, that, that makes sense. They his manager uh, hit us up and said um, <laughs> you are not to refer to him as Screech. His name is Dustin Diamond. You call uh-huh. him Dustin. Uh, they said that we had to make. Uh, so we're supposed to do like seven minutes each and no more than three of them were supposed to be on uh, Save by the Bell. So they did have restrictions, but I think that was just sort of like his manager being cautious because I'm sure he's had incidents before. Like we were yeah. pretty respectful about it.
0: Yeah, yeah huh who's the, who was the the guy that ran it uh johnny is that his name
1: oh uh, so there's pete o'keefe uh he he does a lot of the booking he was the one that um met uh dustin diamond and then there's also behind the scenes there's cheryl white who okay. is the one that she hooked us up with the cop and like like pete pete is a guy like you know he's got a he's got a bad bud and just like a unfortunate beard like a not full beard at all like <laughs> an untrustworthy beard and so when we do things like roast of a stripper we got to send cheryl in, who's like a nice like 50 year old mom looking lady to go to the strip club and ask like <laughs> if one of them are willing to be roasted if we sent pete it- it'd be a no
0: how many have you guys done so far Pfft,
1: uh at, i mean they do at least one a month uh so we did Stripper was pretty fun. Uh, roast that—that that was actually the best audience because she brought all of her stripper friends, and they oh, were fucking wow. mean. They were very mean, like they were heckling us too. Like not—not not like heckling. They were roasting us basically. Like uh-huh. anytime, like the stripper would make a joke about one of us, I'd be like, "Yeah, he's fat too." I'm like, all right, well, she's got this. Like, we don't need to. <laughs> we don't need to help her. <laughs> uh, the stripper was good. Uh, roast of a uh, uh, tech employee. We did. Um, one of the venues they have is right by uh, Cal over at Pappy's in Berkeley so we've done the oh, okay. rest of a Berkeley student a couple times How did that go? Uh, it went okay um, The <laughs> I mean most of us don't write very well for 18 year olds like there were definitely a lot of jokes that went over their heads and Uh like what the fuck are we gonna say like none of us went to Stanford we can't make fun of him for going to Berkeley uh it's mostly just making fun of him for being like a child which the audience was children so they didn't love that uh so that one was okay um we did there's a couple impression ones which were pretty fun uh this guy Frankie Griffin who does both a great Trump and Bernie Sanders somehow. Uh, Uh So we've gotten him to do Trump and Bernie. We've gotten... uh, uh, We had Samantha Gilwit to play Hillary and we had Trump and Hillary. Uh, We actually toured with Trump at one point which was pretty fun. We took the roast on the road and did uh, Monterey and uh, Fresno. And that was very cool. That, like... uh, I figured Monterey would be the safer one but we had so many Trump supporters at Monterey and then at Fresno since, like they're surrounded by Trumpies. Like all the liberal people are like, thank you. Finally, there's something aimed towards us. We had like all 37 liberal people in Fresno, California come out to the show and it was a party. It was really good times. Is that South of here? Fresno? Fresno is like dead center between, uh, SF and LA along the five. Okay. Okay. It's, but like, look, there's fucking nothing there. There's nothing. There's farms. There's a casino. Uh, there's no real industry. Like when I was there, I kept asking people like, so, you know, like LA, they have movies and NSF, like it's like a tech industry. What's the industry here? Like what, well, like, I work at Chevys. Like, no, no. I mean, like, what? Like, what's the industry here? <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't know what you're asking. And so people just live there. But it's, like, the fourth biggest city in California. The oh, population's, really? like, well over a million. Way bigger than San Francisco. I don't know why. But it's like they got stuck halfway between L.A. and San Francisco. Like, yeah. they meant to go to one of the others. Like, ah, fuck it. We're here. It's cheap.
0: So it's mainly, like, shopping malls and stuff like yeah,
1: that? Yeah. Uh, a lot of houses. A lot of shopping malls. Um, just self-sustaining city basically like you got your doctors and insurance people and the only thing they export is the farms i guess but they treat those people like shit so they don't even realize that that's their industry (laughs) that they're a farm culture
0: huh that's crazy oh i saw on uh i think it was on facebook you got passed at rooster Teeth. yeah yeah that's awesome, good.
1: I uh, can, can actually call myself a comedian soon. So Yeah, dude, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, I'm excited. Um That's a fun little gig.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Roosters is a cool room.
0: Um If it's got a decent amount of people. I've done yeah. it when there's like fifteen and it was a little shaky. Oh yeah, those but, Wednesdays
1: uh, can be pretty rough. Yeah. But that's yeah, Roosters is just small enough a town to where they're all, like for the weekends, really excited. Like I never really hear about them having a dead weekend. Oh uh, really? Yeah. That's good. But that's like that's 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 not something I've ever gotten to do to actually like host for a full weekend for somebody. So I'm very excited for that opportunity.
0: Do you know like what the weekend's gonna be yet? Uh, it's in
1: January. That's all I know. They haven't. Oh wow. That's they haven't booked the headliner out that far ahead. But that's the, that's nice of them to like at least book me that far out. You know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You ever run into Larry Bubbles Brown? Or oh, thing? I love Bubbles. Yeah. Yeah. Bubbles is around there all the time. He is so fucking funny. Dude. Yeah.
1: Bubbles is a monster, man. He, uh, I've seen him turn around some (laughs) more shows. (laughs) It's pretty impressive. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Like I saw, uh, I'm blanking on it today, but it's probably for the best because it's like, I'm not going to say anything super complimentary. But there was this (laughs) uh, this other headliner that was um, hanging out and he was closing out on Wednesday and it wasn't going great. Like he just, Uh you know, they were tired. They had just seen... However many comics are on a Wednesday, 25 or some yeah. bullshit like that. Almost all of them are really, really bad. And then they make just this salty old veteran come up and try to do 20 or 30 minutes for him. Mm-hmm. Uh he got like 15 minutes in, it was just going rough. And then he invited Bubbles up just to do this like quick improv bit, just like a um I'm trying to remember the game they played. It was it was kinda like uh knocked up, just like you know how I know you're gay? Like, or not knocked up, but a 40-year-old virgin, mm-hmm. like, uh, if you remember that scene. Just, like, silly little word-based improv game, and immediately Bubbles had the crowd dying. Like, they had zero energy. They had nothing the entire show. And Bubbles comes up, riffs, like, two or three jokes off the top of his head, and it's, like, done. Like, everybody was into it. It's really cool to watch.
0: Yeah, I didn't know who he was until I saw him open for Norm. Oh, okay. And, uh, which was... It was fucking amazing. Yeah, how was that? So good. Yeah, like both of them, and uh, Norm. I don't know if he was. You never know if what he's saying is true, but he was saying that when they asked him to come, he's like, "Yeah, as long as you get Larry Bubbles Brown open for me." And uh, <laughs> which, I hope that's true. I, I hope too, that's true he's for Larry. Great man. Yeah. And i I saw him then, and then I looked him up online. Because I was like, wow, this dude's like really nah, he's a pro. Good. He's been around for a while. Yeah, and I looked him up and he's on like documentaries and shit mm-hmm. of the San Francisco comedy scene. Totally, yeah. He's been on Letterman. And
1: There's there's a lot of those cats, man. There's a lot of remnants of the 80s comedy boom that, there are not really so much in the Bay Area, but you know, you got like, like Bubbles is a good example. You got people like, uh, uh, shoot, like Barry Sobel. Do you know him?
0: I don't. Uh,
1: uh, Barry Sobel was like. One of the first, like, nerdy white guys. Like, hey, what if I tried rapping? A Hip, hop, hip, hip, hoppity. Like, he was, like, that kind of, just, like, just the corny white guy that opened for uh, Chris Rock a lot. Oh, um, really? Yeah. But now he's just, like, now he's just this ghost that haunts open mics and, like, crashes on new comics couches. And it's, like, it's it's sad, but he's also creepy as fuck. And so I was, like, all right, well, I, I could. Can understand how this happened to you. Like, I'm glad Bubbles still has a place to live. But, like, <laughs> yeah, the the 80s was so good to so many comics, and it just stopped, I guess. And so now, like, yeah. a lot of them bought comedy clubs. That's, like, a lot of the uh, uh, non-chain comedy clubs that are out there are just owned by some 80s comic, and they're fucking mean. They're just unpleasant people to try to deal with. It's really... And you understand, it's just decades of... Like, oh, chasing the dragon and, like, maybe touching its foot for a second and then getting pulled away from it. And now you're sitting here in this small town with your comedy club and the dragon's flying over L.A. somewhere. And you're just like, oh, fucking kids. You So it just makes you such a bitter person.
0: Yeah, it's got to be tough knowing you put all that fucking energy in and then you yeah. don't. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And it's all, like, it's so hard to, to play, like, to not play the grass is greener game with comedy or any kind of show business really like to because you could see the grass is clearly greener. <laughs> he <laughs> knows a lot of people that came up during and after his time that he's like oh fuck your grass is so nice right now i just want can i just touch your grass a little bit like yeah. but at the same time you know Like, acknowledge that you own a goddamn comedy club. Your life is still comedy. That's rad. That's really cool. You get to host whatever you want. It'll probably be too often. That's fine. It's your decision. Uh, Uh It's just... I don't know. I say that now. I'm not even 30 yet. I'm, like, not even six years in. But it's hard to imagine if you're not starving and you don't have to have a day job being mad about your position in comedy. Like, it's it's hard to... It's hard to imagine like forgetting that it's still a blessing to be able to make a career out of
0: this shit. I'm somehow. telling jokes.
1: Yeah. 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 Even just owning a club, even to get to be around that you're not an office dude. Like things are going pretty good right now.
0: Yeah. So you started here, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Started here, which was nice. Uh, as far as getting to go down to L.A. goes because <laughs> unlike like my friends in San Francisco who I made the mistake of inviting to all my shows that I just started and now all believe I am horrible at comedy. Uh, uh, yeah. My friends out in SoCal didn't get to see me until I was like two or three years old and so they're like, oh, okay, click and actually tell a joke or two. <laughs> like, yeah. I can get them to come out every once in a while.
0: Well, that's good. Yeah. Where was your first mic here?
1: Oh, the old Brainwashed Cafe.
0: Oh, yeah, I just yeah. spent a lot of time there.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, 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 for sure. There's like, uh, so... Uh, good buddy of mine from college had started like maybe a month before me just showing up to thursdays there and he dug it uh like me and him had been writing sketches and stuff together so he's like just come out and i came out had a really good time uh you know sat in line for two hours waited for three more like it's a it's a whole fucking day and thursdays at brainwash sometimes um but i loved it came back the next week um did a completely different set did horribly, didn't show up again for a month because I was so embarrassed uh, and just kind of did that for, like, six months or so. so, Just, like, I would keep going every week until I sucked and I wouldn't show up for a month. And eventually, somebody offered me a bringer gig, which is, you know, on the surface like a predatory thing to do to a comic. But, like, for me, I got to... You know, make a lot of money for this nice older comic and keep a little bit of it. But also get to perform at the original Purple Onion, which was so goddamn cool. And I got to go to this, like, beautiful legendary stage where all of these amazing people that I looked up to and respected have gotten to perform. And I'm like, okay. That's
0: Doc's right. Lab now, It's right? Doc's Lab now. Yeah, yeah exactly.
1: Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was... I could see so many people just quitting if they are stuck in a laundromat. Like, it makes sense. Like, to convince yourself to keep going back to that, not getting a taste of anything else, uh, you must really like beer. Like, that's the only reason. Like, you must really like relatively cheap beer because there's nothing else, like, going for you at the brainwash. But got to get a little taste of what actual comedy was like, and it was, ooh, it was delicious. I had to oh, stick around. Man.
0: Yeah, man. I, oh, fuck. Yeah, doing open mics every night is it's a grind. Yeah. It's a real grind, but... Well, that was... So, it threw me off
1: because I, I had just assumed you had been doing this forever. I saw you have a punchline. I'm like, that's a solid comic. So, I was like, I'm surprised to hear that you're, like, not 10 years deep right now. How long have you been doing it?
0: Uh, strong, like, two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two yeah. and a
1: half, maybe. Okay. Well... One, it's awesome that you were able to get up on punchline, like it may not have felt like felt very fast, but you still got up there pretty fast compared to some like people who've been sitting in the back of that room for like a year and a half. But yeah, you had a strong first set, dude. That's great. He'll make you wait another fucking year if you bomb your first set at Punchline. So yeah. that's that's great that you did well.
0: I'm hoping that he saw that I did okay, but he hears laughter. He
1: won't. He like Ron will never be able to quote one of your jokes, but uh-huh. he knows laughter.
0: <laughs> yeah, it. Was, I felt I felt good about it. I got off to a really weird start because I was, I was so fucking nervous. Once I got on stage, I was fine. Yeah, but. Everything I said, it was one of those things where I got off stage and I had no idea what I like I'd just blackout. done. Yeah, yeah. For sure. <laughs> it, was just, it was just trusting that I had been like, you know, I'd done so many mics and stuff before to try to make sure my five was going to be really, really tight. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I was just thank God.
1: So did you know you were going to get up, or did you just tap you on the shoulder?
0: He told me probably a month before. Oh, that's
1: good. He's okay. just
0: like you're on my radar.
1: Okay. Well, that's, yeah. So he was feeling nice then. That's like oh god, I, it's it's so brutal watching him just walk up to somebody oh. who's never been on stage, like, alright, it's your time like just the all the color goes out of their face. Yeah. It's brutal. I know that he loves it. Oh, you know, yeah. Let him like let him enjoy it. It's a thankless job otherwise. Oh. So let him enjoy that. But oof.
0: That part is yeah, that part's gotta be great. But I can't imagine people coming up to you all the time, like, when are you going to put me up? Oh, my and- God.
1: Yeah. Like, I've I've run, like, a showcase before, just a basic-ass showcase, and that was yeah. exhausting, the amount of people that bothered me. Like, it yeah. was, you know, and I get it. I've, I've sent out messages to get booked, too. Like, sometimes you send out messages before you're ready, but it's like, oh, that... Like, he gets them from all over the goddamn country. It's crazy. If anybody comes to San Francisco, they're just going to find him on Facebook because they don't think to go to Punchline and see yeah. that there's an email for booking there. It's just, yeah. yeah. So I, I'll forgive him when every once in a while he does this monstrous thing where i will walk up to you and i will look at you and he'll think about it and he'll say, mm, not this week. And just walk oh. away like, you bastard. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> all right. You get that one,
0: yeah. He, yeah, he told me that like a month before or something, and then so I was like, all right. I need every time I go now. I've got to get a tight. I gotta get a tight five ready, and so that was good. I yeah. was I was fine when he called me. I was nervous as fuck, but I knew I was like, all right, you got this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. fucking tell your jokes. Exactly. That's especially a punchline like you you really just need to get
1: that one first decent laugh and then you're rolling like yeah. there's uh, there, there's so much uh, like there's so much more you get from the audience there than at an open mic it's ridiculous they really do like if unless they're being dicks they really do a majority of the work for you a punchline yeah, like if all you know is trying to fight through a bar or laundromat or a cafe or whatever
0: yeah 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 i'm i'm uh i don't know i'm 2 years in but it's been practically every night for Mm. two um great so yeah because i'm 32 okay so i'm just like this is my last shot (laughs) you know if i'm gonna do this i gotta do it i feel you man I, i think i heard burr too on a podcast which i already agreed with it but he somebody like wrote in they were 31 or whatever asked if it was too late he's like it's not too late but if you do it you got to go balls to yeah. the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no turning back. There's no, like, yeah, uh, do it once a week or mm-hmm. so.
1: Yeah, I love, it's so funny, like, uh, so I, I listen to Burr's podcast and uh-huh. um, all of his advice for people, if if they ask, like, how do I follow my dream uh, and it's not stand up, he'll say, like, just, you know, just start with a little bit. You're like, you don't have to quit your job right away. Just, like, what do you want to do? Do it a tiny bit. Figure out how to do it a tiny bit more. Just a tiny, just one little bit at a time. But then if somebody says comedy, like, oh, no, get the fuck in there. Like, you can't have a day job for that. Like, all right, Bill, let's not be a complete hypocrite about this. Like, it's not possible to just jump into the shit for everybody. But I don't know. I think anybody that asked Bill Burr for advice on anything that's not, like, who are the Patriots gonna start and yeah. what is stand-up like for you individually? I don't know what the fuck they're expecting to get out of him. He is like, I love him to death, but he's admittedly like one of the least knowledgeable people out there. Like he's not an advice columnist, you yeah, know.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who's your who's your favorite?
1: Uh as far as comics? Yeah. Shit. Uh you know, it always changes. Um right now I've been on a pretty big Patrice O'Neill kick just cause like. I found some stuff that I actually hadn't listened to before, so I was, like, reinvigorated. It's hard with the dead guys, you know. The, you can only get so deep into them because it kind of stops eventually. Yeah. Uh, but as far as the, like, the new crop, love me some Nate Bregazzi. Like, nobody oh, tells great, nobody tells a story like Bregazzi. Uh And he's, pre- he's
0: super clean, too. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. 100%. Like, it's i i'm I'm very different from him as far as my style goes I think that's why I like him so much like uh-huh. he's you know he's sneaky clean you don't realize that he's clean like he'll tell a clean sex story and you won't even realize like he wasn't saying fucking pussy the entire time it's pretty cool did you
0: see him on uh that new brad paisley comedy special or something i saw it on netflix i was like what the fuck is this Mm -mm. and i watched it and it was brad paisley who was hosting the show but he was playing guitar yeah and he played like a couple songs and he like changed the words to his songs and it was it was like decent, you sure. know, I wasn't like what the fuck, but then he brought up like Nate Bargassi and a couple other comics and they did like 10 or 15 minutes. Okay. And I saw his set on there too because I'd seen him on the stand-ups or whatever. Sure, yeah. And then I saw him on there and it was
1: fucking great. Oh yeah, he's fantastic.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, he's a. Uh... I haven't gotten a chance to see him live. He's probably... Like if I could see anybody right now... You know, within reason, like somebody that I could actually, like, I'm not going to see Seinfeld or Chris Rock. Yeah. Like, I don't get in for free at those shows, but, like, of yeah. um, the people that actually come to town still, I think Brigazzi is the one that I really want to see. Uh, I've uh, got to see Ron Funches a couple times, who is, you know, he doesn't have that much material out there, but Ron Funches has, like, hands down the single funniest stage presence of all time. I don't, are you familiar at no, all? No, no. Just, like, this, like, like he's lost a lot of weight, but when he started, he was just like this three hundred maybe plus pound black dude with like you know dreads and a beard and like always had like a hoodie on, just kind of like not rough but just like shaggy looking. But he just had this like t- just this tiny little voice, like it's just oh, it's God. Just <laughs> like it giggles, like he giggles like a schoolgirl. It's it's amazing. He's it was a horrible impression, but uh, yeah, uh, YouTube some Rod Funches. It's Fantastic! It's I will. like there's—he's somebody that you cannot quote because, like, you can't do the inflection. Like, it's yeah. it, there's no possible way to do it justice because, like, his inflection is perfect.
0: I feel that way when people try to do Mitch Hedberg. Jokes. Oh, of course,
1: yeah, yeah. I'm just like shut up. But you know what? Let like Mitch Hedberg is. uh he's just somebody that the non comics know like you got to let him have it like if, comics shouldn't be quoted comics necessarily anyways yeah, yeah. like you know it's funny to repeat a joke but like not to <laughs> like if if a comics repeating a joke it's it's like in a storytelling sense like or yeah. like as an example like you could use this type of joke but yeah. there's so many just you know, normal people in my life that'll quote Mitch Hedberg and be like, just pat him on the shoulder. Yeah. Like, that's right, man. That is funny. Like you should, you keep that one.
0: I was at a fucking homeless shelter and I was going to talk to some, some drunks there, like trying to help them out or whatever. And I, there was a fucking board. Like it had a daily quote and it was a fucking Mitch Hedberg quote. <laughs> a homeless shelter that's hilarious i was like this is great i'm coming back here i don't even remember what it was but i i knew it even if his name would have been there i'd have known it was him yeah it was some some joke he did i was like huh
1: (laughs) that's pretty awesome probably the escalator stairs joke that's a relevant joke in the homeless community
0: that's that might have even been what it was (laughs) who uh so nate he's from like tennessee right yeah 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 another southern boy yeah
1: yeah man yeah like you like unless unless you guys take the full on the like blue collar comedy route like there's some charm to that voice like the the storytellers especially man like Bergazzi, without even trying to or framing it whatsoever he just like he puts on this persona and he's just like alright like we know who like my side of the story is let's just move on like this is (laughs) yeah it's it's just a it's built-in stage presence, I think. It's a built-in, and maybe that'll work against you sometimes, but, like, he uses it so well. He's like, whatever, like, maybe you think I'm a little redneck. I do shop at Walmart. Like, yeah, he yeah. like he embraces it just enough without being uh, a cartoon about it, you know?
0: Yeah, you really have to. Uh, you know, I like to point it out immediately. Make your assumptions. Yeah. I, yeah, wanna, yeah, yeah. I do want to fuck my cousin. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: got a sexy-ass cousin. <laughs> it's like, she's hot <laughs> as fuck, dude. I don't know what you're talking
0: about. <laughs> but, yeah, the, the storytelling thing, I've tried telling stories on stage, but I just, I don't do it. Because I, I need a laugh yeah. Like immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need a joke and a laugh to feel comfortable. I don't like a lot of silence.
1: Oh, it's tough, man.
0: Like, Chris Knatzer can go a long time and keep the audience attention and just, oh, my God. He
1: lives on that tension. Like, yeah. he lives on the pre-joke. It's pretty yeah. beautiful. Like, Knatzer said is like watching Jaws. You know, it's all fucking yeah. build up. Like, there may as well be the duh, duh. Duh, duh, just leading up to every single joke, it's yeah. wonderful.
0: He's the greatest. Uh, Such, it's his fucking sweetheart. Dude. He's
1: fantastic, but that guy—he's one of my favorite to hang out with. He's got some good stories. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm usually when I get to punchline, I'm usually there pretty early, and he's usually sitting out there. Mm. I'm talk with him for a minute. Yeah, he's <laughs> so good people, that's man. Pretty cool. So, uh, you want to go to LA after here, or?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I kind of owe it to myself to go spend a couple months in New York just to see if I can like. Yeah. <laughs> to see if it doesn't offend my delicate California sensibilities. Um I've never lived in that kind of snow or heat. So I don't know. Like Yeah, it sounds it honestly sounds like a goddamn nightmare. It sounds so foreign to me. The way people describe it, like I could only picture it in the context of vacation. I, I have no idea what it would be like to actually live in a blizzard that sounds
0: horrendous oh it's so good Ah. i love it i mean by the end of it you're ready to shoot yourself (laughs) but the thing is when you walk outside and it's the first day of spring when it's actually spring and the weather's warm and you just there's no better feeling it's just like an orgasm when you walk outside It's unbelievable. I would much rather be like that than like here where it's just. Oh, you don't know, like all... our strategy of
1: like, it's going to be 55, it's going to be 55, it's going to be. It's 80! Get out there! It's
0: 80! No, it's 55.
1: Again, you missed it. You yeah. missed your chance. It's not 80 be, anymore. It might be 80 <laughs> for two hours. Exactly. In, in one part of town. Like, <laughs> not even in the whole city. It'll never be warm at the beach in San Francisco. Like, the only <sighs> thing you do at the beach is just contemplate suicide. There's nothing else there for it's you. It's
0: terrible. And I wake up, I live in sunset, and it's. Almost, it's ninety five percent of the time it's foggy. Yeah, <laughs> when I wake up in the morning or I'll go home, I can hardly even see the fucking street. It's so foggy,
1: <laughs> like this is awful. So I used to, I used to live out at Forty Seventh Judah, and um, I remember thinking, like, all right, so I'm gonna go for a jog. This was like before everybody had like. Uh, they needed to have music. like So I was just like, I'm going naked. I'm bringing a single uh-huh. key. I'm just going to run into Golden Gate Park and I'm not going to get lost because I live... Basically, at the beach. It's Forty Seventh. It's basically the beach. The sun uh-huh. sets towards my house. I can't possibly get lost. And I get in there, and I get like a mile in, and I look back, and it's just gray now. Everything around me is gray. I'm like, oh, I'm fucking lost. Like, there's no <laughs> way. I'm, I have no idea how to get out of this goddamn park. So I just like, I just stopped running. Spent the next hour and a half trying to find my way back to the sunset side. Like, you Golden Gate Park's so fucked up. You walk in what seems like a straight direction, and you either wind up in the Richmond or the Sunset, and you're like, okay. This has to be west. I have to be heading west right now. And you start walking, and all of a sudden you're just like two fucking miles away from where you thought you were going to pop out. It's it's insane. I don't oh, know. Jesus. Like Jesus. They're like, they say there's a lot of homeless people that live there. Like I think it's just because they can't get out. Like I don't think it's on purpose. I think they just like walked in one day <laughs> they're just, and they're just like, all right, well, we found a tent. I guess we live like here in now." In a
0: corn maze. Honest
1: to God, man, it's it's beautiful. But like I've got lost in that stupid park so many times. Is
0: that where the Zodiac murders were? Was that in the Golden Gate Park?
1: Uh, I, th- I thought he killed people like all over. I thought he
0: had like oh, he had like yeah, multiple and, like all
1: around the Bay Area too. Oh,
0: okay. I yeah, know. That, I remember driving through one one place I don't remember where it was but it was like driving through the park it was a road that went through the park Mm. at night it was so fucking creepy oh it's horrifying yeah I uh (laughs) It was like if there's like serial killer this is where he is
1: totally and it's so like cause you know you don't lose the sense that you're in the city because you were in the city half a mile ago or even blocks Uh ago. Like it only takes blocks to be in complete darkness in Golden Gate Park. And so you're like, all right, I know I'm still in San Francisco. I know there are people around me, but all of a sudden I can't see anything. It's the only spot in the city where I'm completely like just blind and unprotected. It's, it's stupid, man. I used to, um, when I was living in the sunset, I used to work basically just like If it was the daytime, I'd just walk right across the park, and I'd be where I worked in the Richmond. But at Uh night, I'd have to go, like, so far out of my way just to not feel like I was going to get murdered. It was brutal, man.
0: There's no way I would be going there at night. No, like it's
1: nothing for (laughs) you there.
0: I don't know. I'm from the south, and, you know, we go ride back roads all the time where it's super, super creepy. But that doesn't bother me. But in the city, there's
1: just something different about it. Yeah, there's no, like late night skinny idiot in san francisco you'll get murdered yeah (laughs) you cannot really weird you cannot have a late night romantic picnic on the back of a truck in san francisco it's (laughs) tough man it's just you know we got our we got our advantages and
0: disadvantages even central park in new york it seems like much more lit yeah oh they didn't even
1: fucking try to light it they're just like just don't go in there that was the strategy in golden gate park like just don't (laughs) bother you don't need to be here
0: stay out of
1: there it's foggy at night anyways what's out here for you <laughs> oh fuck! so uh you got anything you want to plug uh let's see when does this come out
0: um probably monday all
1: right um well you can always go to uh clay newman comedy dot com and check out what's on there every once in a while I remember to update my stuff uh I would have it this has been fun um I thought I got scammed by this guy. I got a random Facebook message from somebody saying like, hey, just wondering if you wanted to purchase ClayNewman.com. I happened to come upon that site. thought you might want it. I'm like, all right, well, clearly this is a scam. But I wasn't a dick. I'm like, oh, you know, I already got Clay Newman comedy. I I can't really justify paying for both. And he's like, okay, I'll just forward it over to you. And if you change your mind, just let me know. I'll go try to find some other Clay Newmans in the meantime. I'm like, all right, clearly this is a scam. And then one day I went to ClayNewman.com. Right to ClayNewmanComedy.com just this like kind hearted stranger helping out I don't know why he bought ClayNewman.com why he thought that was important but he came upon it Uh, but just to be be safe go to ClayNewmanComedy.com yeah that's what happens in 2017 man any act of kindness is just horrifying to me (laughs) Uh, what this creep doing? Uh, so, if you're hearing this on Monday, why don't you come out on Tuesday the 5th to Milk Bar to catch me doing It's Just Two Minutes, which is a super fun comedy show. Uh, it's this competition with three rounds. The first round is you have to do two minutes based on an audience suggestion. Uh, two minutes to stand up. The second round is you have to do two minutes of stand up. Uh, I think based on something you pull out of a hat. Maybe the other way around. But then, like, that's just The first two rounds are just kind of make yourself friendly to the audience. And then the third round is joke-offs. Like, I like my women. Like, I like my blank. And the audience gives a suggestion, like basketballs like I like my women, like I like my basketballs uh, lots of black guys touched them uh, or whatever like that's you know better than that I won't be. hopefully nobody calls out basketballs cause uh, that would have gotten me a loss uh, <laughs> but uh, it's a very fun show so if you're listening to this on Monday come check it out Tuesday at Milk Bar and everything else is at ClayNewmanComedy.com
0: cool you got a twitter
1: handle uh, yeah twitter handle is <laughs> I didn't land Clay Newman for fucking anything uh, <laughs> I had twitter I am the Clay Newman uh and on Instagram, I am Clay Dot Newman. Nice. As yeah, so I was close, at least. Well, hopefully, we'll get you at least one follower out of this. Yeah, yeah. I would. Hey, I'll get you to follow me if nothing else. Right, I'll, <laughs> I'll follow you. Cool, man. Thanks for coming on. Dude, happy to be here, bud. Cool.